The Coach's Roundtable is brought to you by Between the Lines. Between the Lines offers online training with current minor league affiliates from the comfort of your own home through online technology. With their coaching, watch your skills and money increase due to no longer needing to drive to get training. For more information, go to betweenthelines.pro. The Coach's Roundtable is also brought to you by Sequencer. Sequencer is a new product that uses simulation modeling to create a data-driven solution for lineup creation. Input your player stats, simulate thousands of different lineups with a couple clicks, and get feedback on which is most effective at scoring runs. Visit Sequencer for a free trial. That's S-E-Q-N-Z-R dot com. And feel free to shoot a note to at Sequencer on Twitter with any questions. They're also partnering with Driveline Baseball to add to their world-class product offering. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Coaches Roundtable podcast. Today, I've got two coaches with me that have a wealth of insight and a wealth of knowledge, but enough from me. Let's get to know our coaches. Coach Gann, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to now. Well, uh, currently I'm an assistant coach, uh, baseball coach at Tupelo High School in Tupelo, Mississippi, uh, the largest school in the state. Uh, we got about 2,000 uh, students. Uh, I, I came from Houston High School just down the road, uh, about 30 minutes. I was the head coach uh, at Houston High School for 11 years. Uh, that was my alma mater. Um, just needed a different uh, little change of scenery and uh, some family stuff that I needed to uh, be able to take care of and needed to kind of take a little back seat. And uh, now being the assistant, I've kind of relaxed a little bit, being able to take care of the homestead. And uh, and that's that's where we are right now. Awesome. We're glad to have you on, Coach Gann. Coach Fitz, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, I'm a, a high school baseball coach in um, just south of Des Moines, Iowa. Um, in my 12th year of, of coaching high school baseball. Um, in addition to that, I am an AD, um, actually at a larger school, um, just south of south of Des Moines as well. And um, got into coaching um, actually while I was in college, fell into a, a wonderful program uh, with great tradition and um, either a blessing or a curse. We had lots of success right away including setting a national record for 87 wins in a row. So that's when I was an assistant. I was then able to take over as a head coach, and um, we've made state nine in the last 10 years and um, really been able to just continue the the wonderful program that, that was established. And we're glad to have you on as well, Coach Fitz. I know all the coaches are willing that are listening that are going to have a great amount of notes that they're going to be taking during this podcast. But let's get into the baseball questions, and we'll start with you first, Coach Fitz. Should we be spending more time improving the overall athleticism of our ballplayers or just the baseball skills in particular? <laughs> I'm going to kind of ride the fence on this one. Um, for me, it honestly does go both ways. Um, and, and here's why I say that. In my mind, um, I, I think about developing um, a skill set for a player so they can play to their potential. So what I mean by that is if, you know, if we think about a, let's shortstop for example, what are the skills necessary to be a good shortstop? I'm just going to kind of spit some out. You know, you've got to have a good arm. Uh, you need to have good lateral movement. You need to be a leader in the infield. So if we're going to have these 
skills that are going to make us a good shortstop. Well, we, how, how do you develop those skills? We develop those by doing different drills. So if we want to have a stronger arm, uh, we go through a plyo care uh, workout. You know, we're going to do running guns and weighted balls. We can have a stronger arm. If we want to do uh, better lateral movement, you know, we, we may do things um, like ladder drills or cone drills, you know, things to help out on that end. So if we're going to develop these skills, uh, we have, we're going to have drills that are going to do those better. Now, if we have each individual skill of those, um, th those will help us be better ball players. But if we can put them all together, it'll give us the skill set to be the best shortstop that, that we can possibly be. Very similar. If we want to be a catcher, right, we're going to have different skills that we're going to put together. So while I feel like it all kind of blends together, right? So I don't think we should just focus on just the baseball skills or just the athleticism, but rather if we can figure out what is that skill set for each player that is going to let them play to their potential, let's put together a program for that kid so that they have the proper skill set, not only to play well on, in our program, but ultimately when they take their game to the next level. And what about you, Coach Gann? What do you think? Should we be spending time improving the overall athleticism of a player or their baseball skills in particular? Well, following that up, that's, uh, that's pretty tough. He, uh, he explained it extremely well. Uh, I agree with him. Uh, Coach Fitz uh, made some really good points there. I think it depends on the level that you're talking about. And, and in my case, uh, at the high school level, I think we, we should tend to – We've got to, to utilize the, the information that we have and, and the tools that we have to uh, make them better baseball players, but I think we have an opportunity to make them better athletes uh, that will expand and emphasize their baseball skills. Um, I think as you get to the high school level, you, you probably key on a few more things baseball skill-wise um, than, than necessarily athleticism, but I got a 10-year-old uh, son that I, I, I want him to be the best athlete he can be. And if he's going to be a baseball player, sure, we're going to work on some baseball skills. But right now, as, at a 10-year-old age, uh, he needs to play multiple sports. He needs to get out and, uh, and do m multiple movements uh, and, and try to figure out how to move his body in, in correct manners that, uh, that can set him up to be a better athlete. Those better athletes continue playing the sport, uh, which whatever sport it is, this being baseball-specific, uh, um, you, you don't see very many major leaguers that are, uh, that are not athletic, um, across all profession, uh, professional sports, you see, uh, really, really strong athletes. Um, you, you don't see the guy that's just good at this, uh, whether it's just pitching or whatever else, you know, they're, they're really, really good athletes. Uh, I think a lot of that's genetics, but I think you can build those athletes and, you know, at the younger ages, I think you should uh, you should really uh, try to work on their athleticism as they get older. Um, you know, into the high school ranks and obviously into college, you're still wanting to build that athlete. But at the same time, you get a little more skill specific and try to try to be a little more detailed on exactly what you're working on. Like he uh, like he mentioned as catchers, what we're trying to do uh, specific for them or the shortstop, uh, what what you're specifically working on to to make him a better baseball player versus uh, just an, an athlete. And we're going to move into the next question, and I'll start with you first this time, Coach Gann. Does team chemistry promote success 
or does that success promote the team chemistry? That's a really, really good question. Uh, I, I think it's kind of the, the same as the, the chicken or the egg. Um, I think they work really, really well together. I think it's a blended thing. Um, a, a coach has a lot to do with success, I think. Uh, I don't think a coach can necessarily make chemistry happen. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the, the guys and, and their personalities and the leadership of the team and a lot of those things that, that we as coaches can kind of emphasize and, and try to help. But, uh, you know, it's really hard as a coach to make the chemistry right. If that were the case, everybody would be Nick Saban and, and, and Bill Belichick, you know. Um, but it's not. And each team is completely different. And you got to start over each year by building that team to what it needs. Um, and sometimes some of your better teams – uh, as far as the chemistry, and you can tell those guys love each other and the locker room's good, um, may not be the most successful team in that, that organization's history. Uh, and some of your better teams, uh, a lot of times, don't have the best chemistry. But for the most part, I think success and chemistry go hand in hand. And uh, the more success you have, I think the more everybody in the room likes each other. And in the same sense, uh, I feel like, guys that that get along well are going to turn around and have a lot of success uh so i, I think they just work hand in hand that's that's the that's the best answer i can give you and what about you coach fitz what do you think do you think that success promotes team chemistry or do you think that team chemistry promotes the success yeah no it's definitely a, definitely a great question um kind of seen this firsthand, you know, I got my first assistant coaching job when I was 19, uh, when I was in college, which was, uh, which was awesome. In, in Iowa, high school baseball is actually in the summer. Um, we are the only state that has it in the summer rather than the spring. So I was given the opportunity to play my college baseball season. When that ended, um, I was actually able to go right into to start coaching high school baseball. So when I uh, started coaching that young, uh, the coach that I was that I was coaching under, we had a you know coaching meeting, and he starts talking about about all this mental game verbiage, and it was all stuff that he took from a guy by the name of Brian Kane, and you know fast forward 15 years later, um, Brian Kane is the mental game guru, if you will, in the United States uh, and, and worldly, if you ask me, and I've developed quite a relationship and uh, and a mentorship with Brian and. Have, have actually started my own um, mental performance group where I'm going in, I'm working with high schools and, and colleges um, when we're, when we're not in season, uh, you know, myself. So when I, when I think about this question and what happened to me as a very young coach, I got put in as a 19 year old in a, in an outstanding program. And the second year that we were in, uh, we win a title, we go 43 and 0 and we win a title. So I'm thinking, well, how easy is this coaching thing, right? And we're just going to roll out and, and we're going to win titles. Well, the next year, another title, undefeated, another title, right? So three, three state titles in a row. And then I get the keys to, to this program and I'm, I'm 23. And when I start to reflect upon that, you know, whether it is, it, is it the chemistry or is it the success? And we had the success, right? But what in my mind, like what created the success? What was this environment and why did, did we have this success? 
and it, and it 100% boiled down to the culture that was created um, well before I got there and then continued, you know, as, as I got there. And one of the big things that we did was we, we had a, what, what we call an MVP process. So we had very clear mission um, that we want, right? And it wasn't just something that we posted, but it was something that we lived out. Um, we had a vision. We knew where we wanted to go and we knew the goals that we wanted to achieve. And then we had a set of core principles. Now, that was the old coach's set of core principles. I have since uh, developed my own that, you know, I need to be able to live out on a daily basis in our team, which we call DELT. So discipline, energy, love, and trust. So those, those are our programs, non-negotiables. Okay? We know that um, those are my personal ones. Those are our programs. So we know what we are going to bring each other on a consistent basis, right? We know what we're going to have. So once you have that strong culture, it really helps the chemistry with the players because it helps them and allows them to be consistent with what they're going to get. So within our, I'm going to kind of go a different way, within our leadership, we try to get as much player-led leadership as we possibly can rather than just being a, you know, a dictator, uh, coach-fed leadership. We then have our culture. And if we have that positive leadership coming from, from our players, you know, through the coach to that culture and that chemistry that you can set up, then you're going to get the behavior, right? So going from Urban Meyer's book, Above the Line, is that above the line behavior or is it below the line, right? So we have this set of core principles, discipline, energy, love, and trust. And everything that you are doing on a daily basis, is that above the line getting us closer to our goals or is that below the line? Right. And I and I challenge my players to to take a look about or take a look at themselves, not just as an athlete, but every decision you're making as, as a person, as a student, as an athlete, all boils down to above the line or is it below the line? Right. And if we can blend those all together, it's ultimately going to get the results that you want. So for us, that that culture that was established created that team chemistry where where you're able to get that connection with the players and then ultimately we had success now i'm going to kind of flip the script because we're we have made state nine out of ten years we have not won a title since 2012 though now it's it's 2020 and the success that those players established a decade ago has still proven to be great um, for, for the players that are currently there. So the, that success makes my job easier for even these current players seven or eight years later to buy into the, the culture and community needed to be successful. Awesome. Great stuff, guys. And I'll, I'll transition into this next question. I'll start with you first, Coach Fitz. What is something that you chart during games and practices? Yeah, I mean, there are so many things out there there that there that you can um, measure, um, right? And we're all going to measure what we treasure. Um, so one of mine is obviously we have the um, the the launch the launch angle revolution, if you will. Um, so I try to keep that as simple and concrete as possible for for our kids. And so one of the things that we are kind of kind of blend together, but two things offensively, one are quality at bats, 
So, you know, if I didn't have to put our stats into a state system after every game, I wouldn't. Um, and I, I don't want our guys getting caught up in a batting average, right? And for me, that's like the worst stat ever. So we take a look at quality at bats and we take a look at hard hit balls. So what are you doing to, to help the team out? Are you doing some of the little things uh, within a quality of bat? Maybe you're getting a, a sack bun over. Uh, maybe it's a hard hit ball where you get out on, um, even just drawing a walk in hit by a pitch, right? All those things are going to help us out. But don't necessarily show up in that batting average. Um, and then the hard hit balls, um, we do, we call it three to eight to be great. So there are uh, different, you know, visuals out there, but essentially a one or a two would be a ground ball that hits in front of the pitcher's mound. A nine or a 10, a nine would be a routine fly ball to the outfielders. A 10 would be a, a pop-up routine fly ball to the infield. So we're trying to hit either a hard ground ball that hits behind the pitcher's mound first to a line drive off the wall, which would be like an eight. So in practice, we'll have guys call out what is their three to eight. And, and the purpose for that is so they, they really do have an understanding of, of what it was, right? Where are we at? Uh, there'll be times where like, okay, this round we want to hit fives, right? So can we hit that line drive over the top of the, the infielder's heads? And really have an understanding of what the difference is. And then also, hey, if I roll one over and I was in a one or two, like what adjustment could I make? So going back to that player led, right? I don't want to have to think for the players. Um, so having them think for themselves and what adjustments can they make on the fly. And what about you, Coach Gann? What's something that you chart at practices or games? Uh, well, the first thing we discussed uh, at Tupelo was we, with this information age, we definitely didn't want to get into paralysis by analysis. Um, so we kind of based it off of what are the, the needs? What are the things we, we want to be able to specifically turn around and show our guys? Um, what are the things we want to do on a daily basis to show our guys uh, where there's growth, uh, where, where we need some growth, that type of thing? Uh, one of the first things was uh, we, we started charting ground balls uh, during BP last year. Uh, what, what are our infielders doing? Are, are we making the plays? Are we making the routine plays? Are we making – uh, are we making lots of mistakes? Um, is that something we can clean up? So we started charting that last year. Um, we had a bigger emphasis uh, uh, across the board during BP this year on, on the offensive side. Uh, what are we doing as far as are we hitting the ball hard? Um, and we wanted to chart those things as far as uh, from offensive side uh, this year. And then, of course, that got cut pretty short like everybody else. But uh, for games, we started looking at uh, – we use Game Changer. And, man, it puts out some really, really good info uh, as long as we're keeping it uh, correctly in the, in the dugout throughout the game. Uh, and a lot of things that it, it gives us on that feedback, uh, like the quality at-bats. Um, I know when I started my career uh, 15 years ago in the dugout, we were trying to keep charts, one, to keep charts. Uh, we were also giving guys something to do during the game. Uh, a lot of it we didn't really go back and even use. Um, so we, we kind of wanted to make sure whatever we're looking at, we wanted to be able to, to use. And uh, some of the things that, that we're doing at Tupelo is uh, we're looking at Game Changer and taking out from the offensive side the quality at-bats. Um, it, it automatically puts it in there in its formula and, and spits it out. This was a quality, uh, quality at-bat uh, or it wasn't. Uh, 
it grades it out once you put the ball in play. Uh, was it a hard hit ball? Was it soft contact? That sort of thing. And those are the things we're looking at to give our guys. Um, being such a game of failure, uh, we want to make sure they understand, you know, you hit the ball hard three out of four at-bats today. You went one for four. You still had a successful day. Um, uh, on the pitching side of it, we, uh, we I did a lot more charts at Houston um, when I was the head coach. In their bullpen sessions, I wanted to grade out, especially for the younger guys. I wanted them to uh, to see their strike-to-ball ratio. We wanted a, a higher ratio uh, in in their bullpens because, you know, you're going to be a little more relaxed. You're going to have a little more freedom uh, than in a game when the adrenaline's pumping and you got mom and dad screaming, you know, all the coaching cues you needed and, and the pitching coach, the head coach, the other team. So a lot of things going into that. So. So we want to make sure you're throwing strikes at a high rate. And as they got a little, uh, a little older, a little more mature, we wanted to, uh, to show them that not only their strike-to-ball ratio, we also wanted to show them uh, were you hitting your spots. Um, you know, it was our belief that if, if you're going to do it in a game, you better practice it. And, uh, you know, pitch outs happen. It may not happen a whole lot, but if, it, if you're going to ask a kid to do it in a game, uh, you need to practice it. And uh, so that's not necessarily a strike, uh, but we need to know did, did our guy hit our spot. And uh, you want to practice throwing that breaking ball in the dirt. Uh, you know, that 0-2-1-2 uh, slider, you know, that's down and away, uh, that's, that's not in the strike zone. Well, it's going to go down as a ball, but did he hit his spot? Um, those types of things. And, and we can give that immediate feedback to them and show them, you know, you're missing your spots when we're trying to throw glove side versus – you're hitting your spot pretty well arm side. Um, you, you do a really good job of keeping the ball down in the zone. Uh, so when we ask you to try to elevate the, the hitter's eyes or, you know, try to leave one uh, up around the, the hands, you, you don't hit that spot very well. It also gives us as coaches good feedback on, on the pitchers as to he's really good at this and we need to, we need to stick with that, uh, you know, as a game plan going into a game uh, versus I, as a pitching coach, I want to be able to, to throw – up and in or uh, be able to throw that breaking ball down and away but if he can't do it uh, you know you, you've got to you got to know that going into the ball game and I think those charts gave us some some uh, some benefits going into those games uh, the other thing we started doing this year we've uh, we started videoing and using huddle uh, during our bullpen sessions and uh, I, I'm a visual learner uh, I like to see things and I think it really helped our pitchers to be able to not even discuss uh, the, the strike to, to uh, ball ratio or any of the charts that we used to do as much as, do you see where your foot's landing? Uh, every time you stride, your foot lands in a different position. So that's why you're inconsistent throwing strikes. Um, and sometimes you're hitting your spot, sometimes you're not. And I think that's the point. Uh, or, you know, on foot strike, the ball is not up in this, uh, on this pitch the next pitch it was. So we've got to get that consistency of getting your arm on time. And I think the huddle uh, and video and what was a, a big benefit to our pitching staff this year uh, in being able to see what they were doing more so than, hey, here's a chart, you, you missed your spot, uh, and here I'm just going to tell you why I think you were missing your spot. Uh, lots of times we would see things uh, in that bullpen session, and then when we'd go back and watch the video, man, there were 10 or, or 12 other things that we go, man, I missed this, I missed that. The other thing that it helped was we were videoing from the side 
and we would also video from behind. And when we videoed from behind the pitcher, you could see the catcher. Uh, and I worked with catchers this year, and uh, I could see some things on that video that I, I, I just could not see uh, in live action. And slowing it down and helping those catchers try to learn their body movements and their placements and, and things uh, I think really, really helped us. So the video use was, uh, was probably the biggest thing for us. Great stuff, coaches. And so I'll start with you first this time, Coach Gann, with this question. What are some everyday drills you like to do with your players, maybe in the position that you coach, or just a favorite drill you like to do every day with all the players? Can you break that down for us? Our everyday routine, uh, we just started driveline this year. Um, so we tried to make a, a sort of generic template for everybody, and then we kind of got a little more specific for pitchers, for positional guys, for the catchers. Uh, like I said, being the catcher coach this year, uh, kind of being over those guys, we tried to make sure we wanted to get them, you know, the, the work that they needed while at the same time um, trying not to beat them up too much. Uh, we, we had a couple of younger guys. We had a senior that was uh, a lot bigger and stronger that could do some different things. Um, and so it was, a, it was a tough mix to making sure we got the players exactly what they needed to maximize their performance, their potential. And uh, one of the things we tried to do was to give them some freedom. Uh, we, we had some everyday things. We went through our drill work uh, pretty much every day the same way. We wanted to make sure and start out the day as a team. And then we kind of broke off into specifics. Uh, a lot of times, you know, those catchers were catching bullpens. So, you know, if you threw a lot yesterday and you're having to catch pins and throw the ball back, you know, maybe a hundred times today over your four or five pitchers that you're catching today, uh, you know, maybe you don't want to throw as much today, and that's fine. You can have that. That that that's on you. Um, I think we need to give guys a little bit of that freedom to to say, hey, we're, we're going to run practice, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna ask you to do specific drills, but but also we want to we want to give you a little ownership to it. You know, you you may feel like uh, you're throwing the ball well, and we're going to ask you to do some some throwing drills, but you know, you really feel like you need to receive a little more. So you know what, I'm going to give you a five minute period in here. Um, to, to do what you you want to do as far as you want to receive, uh, you know, and do the ladder drill where you're working up towards the the, the machine, or you wanna you wanna work on that breaking ball that you've you've been kind of reaching out and catching a little bit more instead of letting that thing get deep, uh, those types of things. So I, I thought that was a good point of uh, of leadership too, was letting those guys kind of handle and run their own show for a small small portion of our practice. Um, as far as the catchers, our everyday things. The biggest thing I thought uh, as our routine went was our stretching. Uh, I think as the season gets longer, you got to do more stretching. I, I think the weight room is a big thing. Um, you you got to stay strong, but but staying staying as loose and, and and trying to get those tightened up muscles to to relax a little bit more is big. So we we did a big stretch uh, to start the day, and I wanted to make sure and hit on some points with them, but I also wanted them to say. Coach, I feel like my back's a little tight. I need to I need to stretch it. I need to do a little more, you know, with my arm. I need to do a little more with my legs. You know, and each guy's a little different. So giving them a little ownership in that. Uh, so we we went after it from the stretching side to to get going, and then we went right into receiving and blocking right off the bat. Um, at the ABCA clinic uh, this past January, we sat in, uh, in in one of the guys' talks, and he was talking from a specific. Uh, 
what happens in the game the most is what you've got to prioritize. And uh, I can't remember who the coach was, but he, he broke down some of the, the things that happened throughout a game. And are you working on a higher percentage of plays or, or scenarios that happen in a game versus those things that, that don't happen as often? And realizing that, you know, the, the action of throws from catchers don't happen as much as, as we think. Uh, it's a big part of it, obviously, but, uh, man, that guy that doesn't block the ball really well, that's going to happen way more often than him trying to throw out a runner at second or third. And, uh, and so we, we tried to make sure we really told those guys and emphasized to those guys that we're fixing to receive the ball and block the ball as best as possible. Nobody's going to work any harder than us on those two things because those are the two biggest uh, – points of emphasis for catchers and then we're going to work in some throwing then we're going to work in some bunt drills uh being able to throw the ball on the run or or uh, the ball that you block and got to get up and pick and throw uh all those different things come in kind of down the down the priority list and uh so we wanted to make sure and and uh hit our blocking right off the bat kind of helped us loosen up a little bit and beat you up to get to get the blood flowing right off the bat and then we uh we jumped into receiving and depending on the day, we would do some uh, some throwing drills, but we always wanted to hit some type of team D uh, pretty close to every day, even if it was just the infield only, maybe not the entire team, where we're rolling a bun out there and you're having to pick it up and throw it, the communication side of it, uh, first and thirds. We wanted to be able to make sure those catchers were having to lead uh, from from behind the dish because that you know that, that's your quarterback on the, on the field, and, and those guys have to be able to take ownership and uh, so we tried to do a little bit of, of that throughout our, our normal practice. And what about you, Coach Fitz? What are some of the everyday drills that you guys do with your players? Yeah, our uh, our season is much different than than most, and even different than than those of us in, in Iowa. Uh, in Iowa, we can play forty games a summer, um, and that's over about a seven week period. And our conference plays JV varsity games rather than varsity doubles. So for us to get 40 games in, um, I'm not kidding when I say we play every single day except Sunday. Um, so we have a game scheduled. So we we honestly do not have, after the first three weeks of practice uh, that the state gives us, we don't have another practice till postseason time comes. So our daily drills are are coming from a hitting standpoint. So we will hit um, an hour uh, for an hour before either we get on the bus and go somewhere or, or before a home game. So we do have daily hitting drills. Um, and then, you know, something that we do is we take like our, our fielders, especially our infielders are taking, you know, live reads off of bats, right? So we'll work specific drills with, with infielders, um, not necessarily every day, um, like that specific thing, um, but they are getting live reps that way. So our, our everyday hitting drills, um, we call them drill one, drill two, drill three. Um, and I'll kind of explain those, those here. Uh, I took this from a guy by the name of Pete Lordson. Uh, Pete Lordson is, uh, or was uh, the hitting coach at NIAC, Northern Iowa Community College. He then went uh, for like the fall semester at Iowa before the Indians signed him. And he's been with the Indians uh, organization for the last uh, three years. Um, so drill one is a rear, rear hip, rear shoulder load. Um, so this is where we're, we're allowing the, the guys to feel and understand that the hands are controlled by the rear shoulder. 
okay? And the rear shoulder is going to move the hands. So we get them to load into that rear hip and, and really have them focus on staying back into that rear hip and then let them feel their hips move on their own and we have them open up their front hip. So if they get into that position, their front hip is open while they're loaded into that rear hip and then we have some front toss or, or short uh, BP going from that position. So just having that feeling that those hips are out of the way with your hands back. Um, so once again, just kind of that feel drill, uh, we'll get them into there. Drill two is a rear shoulder load um, with, with that front pelvis open. So getting everything going on the front side, this just helps create angles and, and lets them feel the, the room that the barrel is able to move through and work through. Because um, that ultimate goal is, is getting the barrel behind the ball as long as possible. So another feel drill there. Um, our third, our drill three is, is a creativity drill. So we, at this point, we're working with different loading patterns. Just to once again, I, I know I mentioned it earlier, but really trying to get this to player led, right? So one thing that we talk about is giving our hitters as many different implements, you know, weighted bats, et cetera, um, or weighted balls uh, with, with the driveline program, uh, hitting program as well. Um, long bats from driveline as well. So as many implements um, and as many different strategies so that they can you know, really start to figure things out on their own. So uh, drill three is just a creativity drill. So different loading patterns, you know, maybe they're starting with their foot up or their knee up or they go knee to knee. Maybe they're working a toe tap or backward step, um, like a Jock Peterson type of drill. So just having them work as many different feels as possible so that hopefully one of those sticks and they're like, wow, yeah, that feels really good. Um, and it, this, you know, this makes a lot of sense when I'm getting into, into games. Another thing that we'll do, we work a lot of velocity um, as far as, as far as hitting. Um, so we'll get the, the machine ramped up for that as well. Because um, for, for us, we're preparing for postseason. We're preparing when we're going to see that guy that's throwing, you know, 90 plus. And, and, you know, we need to make sure that we're on time. So rather than preparing for that three days ahead of time, uh, before that game, before we see that guy, um, you know, we're preparing for that all year long, uh, just for, so, so we're ready when, when, uh, when it matters the most. Great stuff, guys. And absolute amazing answers to that question. And we'll end the podcast with this question right here. And we'll start with you first, Coach Fitz. Do you think that technology and analytics is hurting or helping the game and why? Yeah, Coach Gann kind of talked about this um, a couple of questions ago. Um, and he mentioned that there, there's so much information out there right now for us. And if you get, in my personal opinion, if you get sucked into every piece of data and every piece of technology, I think it could most certainly not necessarily hurt the game, but I think it could hurt you and your program. Um, so honestly, it's just kind of finding what information, uh, like I mentioned earlier, measure what you treasure. So what information and what technology align, aligns with what you are currently doing and what your beliefs are. So, um, you know, if it is getting, you know, a bat sensor and that bat sensor is going to talk about hand speed and barrel speed and launch angle. You know, if that aligns with what you are currently doing, that is awesome. 
right? But don't just start implementing things, just implement. Um, once again, I'm gonna kind of go back to the, the the launch angle revolution, if you will. You know, we'll have guys in the off season going in and hitting with anybody, right? Because um, we can't we can't work with hitters until until season starts. So you know, if they're going to working with somebody and they're focused on just hitting, you know, moonshot homers, which is awesome if you have the power. It is absolutely awesome if you're a college dude. It's awesome if you are a pro guy that can do that. But if you're a high school kid and you can't hit the ball out of the park, we have now turned this into routine fly balls, or we have too much of a launch angle and we're popping up to the infield, or we're just striking out, right? Um, so some of that technology can be a, a detriment. One thing that has helped uh, to at least technolo technology for myself is it, it puts a, a different view when I'm talking with a kid. So you know, if I do have some numbers that go along with um, a statement that I'm about to make, it's no longer just Coach Fitzpatrick telling you um, that, you know, you need to work on X, Y, Z. You know, you need to work on this drill and here are some numbers that back it up, right? Or if I'm going off of just feel, which I did 10, 12 years ago, you know, you're just kind of going off a of gut feel, well, who's to say I'm right? Okay, so so technology has definitely helped me um, give a, a much better um, much better feedback to my players, and and let's let's face it, the kids want to see that information right now as well. Um, so it, it gives you a little bit more uh, room to stand on as well. We'll end it right here with you, Coach Gannon. Do you think that technology and analytics is helping the game or hurting the game, and why? Yeah, Coach Fitz hit on uh, hit on the similar points. I, I was thinking. Um, I think the information that's out there is really, really good. The technology that that we're able to to use uh, is really, really good stuff. Um, but like he said, you got to make sure it aligns with what you're doing, things that uh, that you value. And uh, I was on a Zoom call the other day with uh, with Coach Butch Thompson from Auburn. And he kind of ended the night with, you know, coach what you know. And for, for guys in this, you know, this new tech age, uh, we don't need to rush out and grab this stuff and then try to figure it out on the fly. Um, I think that's, that, that's, a, that's a bad model. But, you know, the whole, the whole piece of baseball is starting to go towards uh, using this technology. And I think it helps if we're using it in a manner that uh, that's advan advantageous for our programs. Uh, you know, obviously what happens at the highest levels of, of sports trickle down through the college level and, and then down to high school and even into our travel organizations uh, and little league, you know. Um, and I think all that's good. But like Coach Fitz said, you know, I think with this launch angle uh, initiative that's that's kind of gotten off and going, um, you know, if, if you're a guy that's, that's not hitting the ball out of the ballpark, you're just teaching fly balls now. And I think there's a big piece in the high school ranks and, and down, uh, there, there's a place for that line drive ground ball hitter because there's still a lot of errors made, uh, at, at those levels. And so teaching a guy just to try and hit, you know, doubles in the gap, I, I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a plan for success for everybody. Uh, I, I know my 
15 to 18 year old self in high school was not that line drive uh, in the gap kind of guy. And if I would have gone to a hitting instructor that was teaching that, um, man, I, I would have gone from a from a 250 hitter to to a guy riding a pine. And I, I think you have to use the the technology and the data and information that best suits you and your program, but also for those individuals. Um, and, and you've got to take those guys that are kind of your your bunt and run type guys, uh, the, the guys that are that are more going to put the ball on the ground and try to make something happen because of their speed. Uh, I don't think you teach that guy that launch angle and trying to drive doubles. I think that's a part of maybe the process, but uh, you've got to be able to take the technology and use it to your benefit. But in the same sense, you can't take everything and try to use it, or you're going to be very, very average to mediocre at, at all of it. So I, I think you need to find things that you like, things that, that you value, um, which, you know, with us at Tupelo, we, we, we bought in, sold into this driveline stuff this year, and uh, we didn't just go out and buy it and try to learn, you know, on the fly. We, uh, we brought in some guys that, that we're friends with that have uh, been certified and, and done the whole training deal, and they, they kind of talked with us, and, and we researched it, and, we man, we did a ton of, uh, of gathering information and learning on the front end. And then as we implemented it, we, we still kind of learned what fit different guys. Uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily just here's what you do for driveline and everybody goes and does it. Uh, I think that's sort of that kind of feeling it out as you go. Um, like with our catchers, we had one catcher that loved it and did everything like the pitchers. We had another guy that, that wanted to take a little bit out of it. And then we had another guy who had had some, uh, had some arm and shoulder issues over the years was a senior, was just trying to grit through it and, and tough it out. And he could only do a couple of things. And so, you know, if we were just set in stone and said, hey, well, this is what driveline says you're supposed to do. You have to do it this way. You know, we're going to injure that kid. And, uh, and that, that's the last thing we want to do. So being able to take uh, what, what best fits you and what, what you can benefit from is good. But make sure, like Coach Thompson said, you know, coach what you know. And, uh, you know, just because – you know, that Rapsodo thing is going to tell me the spin rate was, you know, X, Y, Z. Uh, I've got to know what to tell that kid that means. And if I don't, you know, I'm, I just look like a smart guy that can tell you what a, you know, a, a million dollar machine, you know, is spitting out. But I can't relay that information to you. It's not helping us. So uh, I, think, I think that's the, uh, the way it's going now. Find what best fits you, learn about it, uh, and be able to convey it to your players uh, in a way that everybody understands. That wraps it up for the Coaches Roundtable podcast. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. If you would be interested in being part of an episode yourself, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at Coach Crato, K-R-A-T-O. Thank you.